Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Welcome back to the Higgy Jig Why You Show. I am speaking with Ron Kosloff uh, from uh, the website Bodybuilding.com. He's got a link on there uh, talking about the guru, Vince Giordano, the greatest trainer that ever lived. Uh, we'll post the link on uh, the website for people to go check that out. Uh, give us a little background on yourself, and then we'll uh, talk about Vince. We'll talk about some other things. Well, I was a personal friend of Vince. I, I knew him uh, for 30 years. Um, he and Ray Reardon formulated uh, NSP products from 1972 to 1974. Yeah. I was the first distributor of NSP products, and... Uh, I have been, well, I was a friend for 30 years of Vince and Ray. Yeah. And of course, Vince has passed away, and, and Ray has passed away. And now I uh, own NSP exclusively. I bought it from uh, Ray's widow after he died. Yeah. So now I'm NSP, and I'm carrying on uh, Vince's methods, his training. I have the rights to his, uh, his manuals, all 17 of his courses. Yeah. And he's becoming he's becoming more popular. Vince Gironda was the the greatest bodybuilding trainer that ever lived. Unfortunately, he didn't love money. He didn't own a magazine. All the man did was tell the truth. And of course, when you tell the truth, you have a lot of people hating your guts oh, because yeah. you're hurting them economically. Give us a little information on uh, NSP for the people that aren't aware, uh, familiar with the. Well, we like to call NSP old-time bodybuilding products. Um, what Vince advocated in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and early 90s was true bodybuilding supplements. Yeah. 92% milk and egg protein, which milk and eggs, liver, and glands are the finest biological proteins for the human body, and then comes flesh, chicken, fish, turkey, pork chops, etc. He advocated amino acids. He advocated liver tablets. He advocated glandulars, especially digestive enzymes, vitamin packet, growth factors. But unfortunately, bodybuilding today is protein powders and creatine, uh, things that uh, I don't think works too well, but they, they're marketed very professionally, yeah. uh, very slick. And people, uh, people believe them. And unfortunately, today, most of your bodybuilding magazines are advocating drugs. Um, they no oh, longer yeah. advocate natural bodybuilding. It's, uh, I'm sure that your readers and you have seen the grotesque physiques that yeah. they call bodybuilding <laughs> physiques. I call them pharmaceutical mutant freaks because that's exactly <laughs> what they are. And Vince called them a bunch of names. He called them cheaters and liars and phonies. Uh, we we hope that natural bodybuilding will return. And well, yeah. Keeping uh, our fingers crossed. Yeah, there's a uh, buddy of mine at my local gym, Kenny Walburn, that uh, we were talking about the other day. Uh, Frank Zane, 
and Arnold and about how Frank Zane had a proportioned physique and everything. And when Arnold first came to the United States, he beat him <laughs> in a contest. Yes. And uh, you don't see that anymore with the people with uh, the Frank Zane physiques or the Vince physiques. You don't see those people. You see Ronnie Coleman. Everybody's like, oh, Ronnie Coleman, he's the man. He's Mr. Olympia. And it's like, well, yeah, he's Mr. Olympia, but he can't find too many clothes, and the clothes that he can find, he's got to have a tent nodding maker make for him. <laughs> You're absolutely right. He's, and, of uh, course, if you took his steroids away from him, he'd be nothing. That, too. He'd shrivel up like a prune. That, too. And and you look at some of these... Uh, well, you know, the the regular magazines, the, the the flexes and the muscle mags and all those, they've got all the all the training techniques every month of the, the the training techniques of the pros and everything. And if you look at like for instance, if you were to let's say take a year's worth of flex and you're trying to compile Ronnie Coleman's routine, it's a basic routine that you'd find in any bodybuilding book, any bodybuilding video. And people are like, oh, well, if I do his exact routine, I'll get his arms. Mm-hmm. Precisely. <laughs> Precisely. Well, I call them phonies also. Um, they are. Uh, it's, it's just a shame that uh, bodybuilding has elevated to what we see now. It really is. It's a shame that these guys, uh, well, you know, you, you look at the, the Joe Weider magazines and some of the other magazines out there that, they are advocating all sorts of things. Unlike That's you were right. mentioning, they're advocating drugs and all sorts of other things. You mentioned uh, that creatine and some of these other supplements are cleverly marketed. And What are some of the supplements that aren't as popular but actually work, in your opinion? Well, as, as I just mentioned, uh, what Vince advocated, uh, like glands nourish like glands. So he advocated the glandulars, and when you take glandulars, it nourishes all of your glands to do what? To procure more hormones, liver tablets. Um, If if you if do you remember the movie um, Dances with Wolves? Yes. When Kevin Kevin Costner and that buck uh, shot the buffalo, and he cut his heart and liver out, and they ate it. Well, this is human food. Uh, if you went back 500,000 years to your ancestors and my ancestors who lived in the caves, uh, they were hunters. I hate to tell people that, but they were meat eaters. These are the things that procure hormones. As I said, milk and egg protein is out of style. Nobody talks about milk and egg protein, glandulars, liver tablets, amino acids. Nobody talks about these things, but this is what Vince advocated, and this is what built a natural physique. It certainly built his physique. Oh, yeah. Saranda had the, the greatest natural physique ever seen by anybody when, in 1958, he went to uh, the British Isles to put on a posing routine, and I have that on tape. The wow. finest natural bodybuilding well, guru that ever lived and yeah. had a phenomenal physique, phenomenal. He even looked better than Steve Reeves. He wasn't wow. as genetically blessed as Steve Reeves, yeah. but he was ripped to shreds. So he was the father of natural bodybuilding, and the man has never gotten any credit for it, unfortunately. Why do you think that is? For for the people that aren't real familiar with Vince's work and his background. Well, simply because he never owned a magazine, he couldn't he couldn't promote himself. See the the founding fathers of the 
of the bodybuilding and weightlifting scene were Bob Hoffman, then transported to Joe Weider, then transported to Bill Phillips. Uh, you know, who's going to be next? Uh, what promoter, what huckster is going to be next? <laughs> and that's all these people are. They know nothing about nutrition. They're just hucksters. And, uh, for instance, Joe Weider one time asked his publicist, uh, what was the age group that bought his magazines? And they said, well, from 13 to 22 years old. Well, we're going to get them. You know, we're really going really gonna to promote them, promote our product to them, because, let's face it, when you're 13, 19, 21 years old, you don't have any wisdom. You're easily influenced. Oh, yeah. And I remember somebody, when I first went to California, somebody said to me, if, if somebody would have offered uh, $10 for Joe Weider's mother, she'd have been gone. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's I mean, these great. people had no scruples. They had no ethics. And Vince had ethics. Vince Gironda never sold out. He never, never sold out. And he hated steroid users for what they did to his beloved sport. He hated them. And uh, I dislike them myself, and I tell them right to their face they're phonies. That seems to be the... So you're probably not real popular uh, at the Mr. Olympia weekend. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be very popular at all. Because as I said, I call them pharmaceutical mutant freaks. They know nothing about bodybuilding. They know nothing about nutrition. All they do is stick needles in their rear end with decadroblin, growth hormone, nilvar, dianabol, whatever. It doesn't yeah. make any difference. There's just so many of them on the market. And, of course, it's infiltrated into hockey, baseball, yeah. football. Uh, it's it's just totally ridiculous. Why do you think that uh, steroids are, are, seem to be making sort of a comeback in the uh, in the world of professional sports? Because, you know, there for a while it was creatine and andro, and mm -hmm. before that it was, you know, you knew there were certain people who were on the juice, as they call it. Absolutely. But... It wasn't a real big deal, and now with the Barry Bonds issue and some of these uh, football players recently, and then you know rampant use in professional wrestling and bodybuilding, it seems Absolutely. to be making a comeback. Oh, it's uh, it was just suppressed there for a while. Nobody wanted to talk about it, but it was as strong then, and it, as you say, it's stronger, stronger now. Very yeah. definitely, they've got they've got synthetic steroids out there that you can't even pronounce the names. And they're so powerful, but the most powerful of all is the human growth hormone. See, years ago, what they would do is they would go to crooked doctors or they would go to funeral homes, uh, crooked funeral home directors, and they would stick a needle in their pituitary and take the HTH out and sell it. Well, I think it was about 10, 15 years ago, pharmaceutical companies synthesized it, so they made it synthetically, so you didn't have to do that anymore. And uh, I understand that... Uh, there is no test for it. So that's why football players can't be busted because there's no test for human growth hormone, although I know that there's a Japanese firm working on a test for human growth hormone. So let's wow. hope it comes to pass. Let's hope it comes to pass. Do you think that there will ever be uh, natural sports of any kind without some sort of, of drug use or... No, that's like saying, do you think a man will be ever will ever be honest? No. man is a dishonest person who will do anything, cheat to win. Yeah. And as long as there's millions of dollars involved, no. You're only going to have ethical people and you're going to have dishonest people. It seems that, uh, that seems to be the, the way things are going. Do you think that, uh, 
well, this this whole hubbub about steroids and everything got brought about when uh, Major League Baseball player Jose Canseco wrote his book about steroids. Do you think that it's it's a true statement about him as far as him wanting to get revenge on baseball and other sports, or do you think it was just he was wanting to tell the truth and it seems like everybody else is getting wrapped up with it? Or Well, if, if there are people out there that don't believe that professional sports are dominated by steroids, I don't think they're too bright. Let me give you an example. <laughs> okay. um, I have a, a chiropractor friend who lives in a suburb uh, outside of Detroit called Westland, and he's yeah. the chiropractor for the Westland, uh, John Glenn West, uh, Westland football team. Yeah. And uh, this was about four or five years ago. I was talking to him, and I said, Doc, I said, we were talking about steroids. I said, it's just a shame that steroids have gone, gone from professional down to the colleges, down to the high schools, and now they're in the grade schools. And, he got, and his phone got real quiet. And I said, Doc, did I say something wrong? He said, look, Ron. He said, my boys don't take steroids. He said, you really made me angry by what you said. I said, Doc, I said, I think you're living in the past. I said, I said <laughs> you're unaware, but let's drop it because you and I are friends, and I want you always to be my friend. Yeah. So we hung up, and two weeks later he called me back, and he said, Ron, he said, remember when I got mad at you about the steroid thing? He said, I was really angry at you. I said, yes, I know, Doc. He said, well, I want to tell you. He says, I'm very embarrassed. He said, I went to my boys. He says, guys, he says, do you take steroids? They said, sure, we take steroids. Does it everybody? You know, I mean, he was just floored. He was flabbergasted. See, he's, he's just, he's living a dream. I mean, you can get steroids like you can get marijuana, like you can get candy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's prevalent. It's all over the place. I used to own the Powerhouse Gym in Centerline, Michigan. And that's one of the reasons I got out is because of those juice heads. I mean, you can't even talk to them. Yeah. I mean, you think women are bad. A guy with a good physique <laughs> is, is totally ridiculous, you know. So, you know, what, what can I say? Uh, yes, I mean, steroids are as prevalent as any drug in this country. I mean, this country is sickening. We're turning into a drug culture. Oh, yeah. That seems I mean, to be from the... the medical profession giving you mind-altering drugs, to athletes taking anabolic steroids. Yeah. Ron Kofluff joining us on the big program. Uh, what do you think of the pro-hormone issue that seems to be coming about with uh, companies like Anabolic Extreme making uh, that super draw stuff and legal gear with their uh, methyl master doll? Do you think it's a, uh, they're it's trying to make safe versions of steroids or trying well, to I don't get around the, the rules? Or what's well, sure. Everybody tries to break the rules. I mean, you know, if you if you want a if you want a list of rules, take the rules that Hippocrates said. I can read you ten rules that he laid down 2,500 years ago, and this even includes the medical profession. Number one, the natural way is the only way. Number two, treat the cause of an illness, not the symptom. Number three, look to the spine for illnesses, because Hippocrates was a chiropractor. Yeah. Throw away your drugs and heal the people with food. Food is medicine. Medicine is food. Most illnesses can be prevented by eating natural food. A healthy colon is essential. And this is for medical doctors and drug companies. Do not administer dangerous and harmful drugs. Do no harm to your patients. Number nine, do not perform surgery for money. And most people don't even know what the word protein means. The word protein means most important. Hippocrates named protein as the most essential food we should consume as the greater percentage of our bodies is comprised of it. 
carbohydrates are secondary, and that the medical profession is telling you to eat carbohydrates, and they're killing us. In 1900, there was no such thing as diabetes. Now, can you say once every six seconds somebody in America becomes a diabetic? Oh, yeah. Look at the fat slobs out there. Look at them. <laughs> they're not only fat, they're diabetics. And they're sick. This is, the, this is the most unhealthy country in the world right here in America because we've been raised on sugar and carbohydrates when we should be raised on protein because that's what the word means, most important. So I think you know where I stand. <laughs> I think you know where I stand. Well, it seems that the uh, United States, as far as like the the big wigs in Congress and things, they seem to be they seem to be going after uh, baseball and all these other sports and uh, trying to get their hands on all the uh, bodybuilding supplements. And it seems to be that supplements in general are under attack from the government. Why? Why? Do they feel they need to do this? Is it a they well, simply they don't understand it and they're well, trying no, to get rewarded or what? Well, let me let me give you an example. Okay. In 1952, percent of Americans used nutritional supplements and went to holistic practitioners. Now it's 47 percent. Read Kevin Trudeau's book, Natural Cures They Don't Want You to Know About. Why do you think hospitals and doctors are advertising on TV now? Why do you think every other ad on, on TV and the radio is for some drug company, yeah. you know, some pharmaceutical product that's going to kill you? I mean, in, in I think it was April 15, 1998, the Journal of the American Medical Association said that pharmaceutical drugs, when they're prescribed even correctly, kill 450,000 people a year. Good Lord. I mean, you've heard of, of hormone replacement therapy killing women. You've heard of Vioxx killing people? I mean, come on, when was the last time you heard of a nutritional supplement killing somebody? But the fact is, nutritional supplement and natural healing is a threat to pharmaceutical companies, and they don't want this to happen. Well, here in Michigan, what they're trying to do, listen to this one, they're trying to say that only medical profession dietitians, so dietitians in a hospital, are going to get a license, and they're the only ones that can do nutritional counseling. Well, they're going to put me out of business. See? Oh, good Lord. And they're going to put health food stores, store owners out of business. See? The, the pharmaceutical companies and medical drug doctors are trying to take over vitamins and minerals because they know they work. Yeah. I mean, every day on the radio or TV, a vitamin cures this, a mineral cures that, nutrition cures this. They're running scared, and that's why they're doing it. And if people don't protest, they're going to take vitamins and minerals only. There's a, there's a bill in Congress now sponsored by, along with Codex, sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies. They want to classify all nutritional supplements as drugs. So now oh, they can control them. Absolutely. Absolutely. This oh, is what they're trying God. to do. Yeah, they're, they're trying to take your rights away from you. This wow. is what's happening in America. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, you, I mean, if, well, you if see people every once in a while, and I knew that it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. Oh, sure. Codex. Codex, sponsored by the World Health Organization through drug company money. Now in Germany, you can only get vitamin C if you want to get a vitamin C over 500 milligrams by prescription only. See, they're, they're, Codex is going to control vitamins and minerals and call them drugs. And now medical doctors will control and pharmaceutical co 
con- companies will control the whole health industry. They don't want wow. you to be healthy. They want you to be sick. Well, I yeah, mean, you, yeah. You it, go to a medical seems, It seems to be that that case where uh, you see people all the time, and they've got all these these illnesses and these problems, and and they've got fifteen drugs they take yeah. every day. Well, see, your medical doctor has no incentive to cure you of anything. His incentive is to get you on this drug and adjust its potencies or change the drug till the day you die. They have no incentive to cure you of anything because if they cured you, you wouldn't go to it. Exactly. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what I was going to desire. Well, of course they've got no... uh... And that thing. Well, you know, it's if, for instance, if you want to look at it from from a very very strange level of of things, but uh, shoe manufacturers, you know, they're not going to make a shoe that lasts forever. That's right. They want you to go back and buy more. That's so right. Same thing Absolutely. with the, the medical profession. Uh, it's a tragedy, my friend. Yeah, it, it, it seems to be. Uh, talking with Ron Kopoff from the school of Vince Giordano. How, how did you uh, get hooked up with Vince years ago? Well, when I was a kid, I used to read Weeder's magazines, and uh, it told me to do things that, that I did to take his uh, crash, gain weight, his sugar, <laughs> tell me to overtrain, and uh, I was bodybuilding for two years, and I got nowhere. And then one day I read a little column that Vince Gironda wrote, and I said, hmm, this guy seems to know what he's talking about. So I called up and made an appointment. I went out there to see him. I spent two hours with him, and the guy told me the truth. He was probably one of the most honest men I ever met in my life, and the man had ethics. And I switched to his um, bodybuilding program. I spent six weeks there. I gained 11 pounds. I came back, and people couldn't believe how good I looked. Because, see, Vince Gironda was a sculptor of the body, and I wrote an article, which is on bodybuilding.com, vincegironda.com, and thewildphysique.com, um, what you have to do is you're going to have to make a decision, the ultimate decision, whether you want to be a bodybuilder, a sculptor of your body, or a weightlifter, a swinger, tugger, jerker, and puller. Yeah. See, and you certainly don't want to look like a weightlifter because those guys are fat, their guts yeah. protrude, they've got big rear ends from doing squats, they look yeah. horrible. <laughs> See? But they're strong. They can, oh, yeah. They can bench press 300 pounds, but when you see them, in a bathing suit, they look like hell. Yeah. And besides, they've injured every joint, ligament, torn every muscle in their body just to prove that they can swing or jump. Yeah. Right, yeah, to, to lift <laughs> 300 pounds. So either way, you want to sculpt your body, be a bodybuilder, or you're going to be a weightlifter. So you have to make that decision sooner or later. I noticed on your, uh, your column about Vince, you mentioned something about how uh, he used to have... An, our regular call in Muscle Mag International. Yes. Tell us a little story about the uh, how you were going to take over the column and that didn't quite go as planned. Well, after he died, I called Bob Kennedy and I said, Bob, I said, you know, I'd like to uh, continue Vince's column. And he said, Ron, I, I would love to have you continue the column, but Vince Duranda has gone out of style because the... <laughs> The freaks, the pharmaceutical mutant freaks have taken over, and uh, nobody's interested in what Vince has to say anymore. And that's the reason. See, people will call me and they'll say, well, if Vince Gironda was so smart and so healthy, how come he died? Well, he died at 80 years old. You have to remember that that his his 
life was bodybuilding, teaching, instructing, researching, nutrition. And when he went out of style, he died of a broken heart because he had to close his gym down. And, of course, I think I can relate to you and to your listeners. If you have nothing to live for, then you will not live. You will die. Exactly. See, it's like me. I love what I do. So when I get up in the morning, I love coming here, and I love teaching bodybuilding, and, and I love telling people about my product and consulting with people. That keeps me going. But if, if, I, if I wasn't happy or if I didn't have anything to live for, then I wouldn't get up in the morning. It's as simple as that. If you have nothing to live for, your immune system will shut down and you will die. And that's the reason Vince died, because he wasn't popular anymore. People weren't coming to him. The magazines uh, poo-hooed his nutritional concepts, and the drug users took over. You've got to look at the, uh, the situation with Vince and how he was way ahead of his time. Well, I always like to say that Vince Gironda was a thousand years ahead of his time. <laughs> and when you're so smart, people hate you because you interfere with them making a lot of money by selling bogus things to kids who are very easily influenced. Yeah, uh, one good example of that, and there are several, but uh, just recently a few of my lifting partners and I, we've noticed that uh, Ronnie Coleman is selling the, uh, the BSN products. And it's like, you know that he's not getting <laughs> his physique from BSN's uh, creatine and other things they sell. Absolutely not. He got, his, uh, he got his physique by sticking 52 needles in his rear end with 52 synthetic hormones. Yeah. Seems to be the, uh, the big thing these days. They, the Roid Boys, as uh, several of my friends have said, have, have taken over the sport. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, they, they have. They, they really have, unfortunately. But let me give you some good news. If you and a lot of the readers out there remember Dan Lurie and his Muscle Training International, yes. MTI, the magazine is coming back this summer. Wow. I talked to Dan about uh, three weeks ago. and was very, very pleased. And his bodybuilding magazine, his reincarnation, will be as it used to be, a natural magazine. That's cool. And this is this is what I hope that the that the kids will embrace. But you know, as long as the hucksters and the cheaters are out there, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, <laughs> realistically, what are you going to do? See, it's like I've always said: if you encountered a hundred people, you're only going to find ten to fifteen percent of the people have any brains. Most people just go along with the crowd. And when you're a young person, you're easily influenced by magazines and BS advertising and promotion. Well, and you, you just look at some of these uh, some of these physiques that these guys have, and then they try to pass it off as, oh, yeah, you can attain this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, work out the way I work out, and you'll look the way I look. Yeah. But I, I'm I waiting remember the for days it. of Frank Zane and some of these others that that was attainable. You That's were, right. You were able to get that physique if you really worked hard at it. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But unfortunately, the progression has taken us where it's taken us today, and steroids are more prevalent than they ever have been. And it's, yeah. it's really tragic. I remember, when was it, 1997, 96, when Barry Bonds was just a yeah. slim kid. Oh, yeah. Now he looks like <laughs> King Kong. Yeah. You know? yeah, I'll tell you he, one he thing. He played folks. for the Pirates, and he didn't look like what he looks like today. That's 
right. I'll tell you one thing, folks. He didn't drink milkshakes to look like that. <laughs> he wasn't eating good six meals a day. And <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'll tell you, it's been an interesting conversation. We'll have to have you back, definitely. Well, thank you Talk very much. Talk more about uh, Vince and his training over the years and everything. Uh, why don't you go ahead and mention those websites again that you mentioned so people can check those out. Well, uh, bodybuilding.com, which is, as I understand, the biggest uh, bodybuilding website uh, out there, has recently put a lot of my articles on its website. And yeah. I really appreciate that. And my friend Doug Schneider, who has vincegeronda.com and thewildphysique.com, he has a lot of my articles on there. So I, uh, I suggest if you want to hear the opposite story or... <laughs> in opposite view, read some of my articles. Oh, and they uh, they deal with a lot of things. Uh, they deal with bodybuilding, nutrition. I wrote an article, 15 Reasons Why Man Is Not a Vegetarian. <laughs> I wrote an article, Top of the Mountain, uh, The Cholesterol Controversy, Eggs Don't Cause Heart Attacks, folks. They never did. It's just that dumb medical doctors demonized fats. and yes. uh, Yeah, demonized them. I mean, I eat six eggs a day. I've eaten six eggs a day for the last 35 years of my life because eggs don't cause heart attacks. White sugar, white flour, white rice, and especially hydrogenated oil. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about pancakes, cookies, pies, cakes, candies, pretzels, donuts, pizzas, Slurpees, Pop-Tarts, sugar-frosted flakes, bagels, pasta, spaghetti, and fast food. <laughs> that stuff's not food. It's garbage. Yeah. And we're putting that in our body. And then a medical doctor says, oh, don't eat an egg. It'll, it'll give you a heart attack. <laughs> See, medical doctors don't know a thing about nutrition, nothing. They study prescribing drugs and surgery, and that's it. Exactly. And all medical schools are subsidized by drug companies. I don't know how many of our readers know that, or our listeners know that, but medical schools are subsidized by drug companies. Doctors are taught by pharmaceutical professors to learn wow. drugs. Yeah, absolutely. Seems to be the uh, seems to be the going thing these days with everybody. That's right. Just appreciate the interview. I've learned a lot. I definitely have to have you back. Well, I I just want to say one thing. I yeah. I've never apologized for being outspoken. Well, and I'm I learned glad you are because we need more people like you and Vince and the rest of your ilk around. Well, thank you. Uh, you have a good evening, sir. Have a good weekend as well. Well, take care. Thanks. I'll Bye-bye. talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. It's not, it's not hard for me. It's hard for the average person, I guess. You have to be disciplined. Yeah. But if you if you follow a routine through life, everybody has their own routine. And I've got a routine of going to the gym in the morning. When I get up, I eat my breakfast, and I go to the gym. There you go. It's just a routine. If I didn't go to the gym for that hour, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> so I'd be bored to death. So it, it's part of my life. And then yeah. If you're going to go to the gym, then you might as well eat properly. Why not? So that's the other part, and I think all that lends itself to staying in shape and anti-aging. The other thing about that is if you keep a good outlook in life, think positive and are happy, you last a lot longer. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a, there's a buddy of mine down at our local gym, and guy's got to be 70 years old, and he's still doing master's class bodybuilding. And he was telling me that he went to a high school reunion couple weeks ago, and he goes, everybody's on walkers, and they're in wheelchairs, and he goes, I'm walking around, and I'm looking good, and I look better than all these people, and he said, 
somebody came up to me and they go, how do you stay in shape, Kenny? And he goes, oh, lots of tennis. He goes, I just like scrolling with him. He goes, I should have probably told him I'm a competitive bodybuilder, but... But yeah, you're right. right. It, it's, uh, it's true. He's there every day. He's 94 years old. Still training with a bodybuilder when he was 18. But, you know, it's, uh, it, it does work. I yeah. have same deal. I have friends I went to high school with. They're maybe, well, I'll be 62 in July. And these guys are anywhere from 55 to 60. They're old men. The big bellies. Wow. No enthusiasm. They have <laughs> problems with their heart and with uh, diabetes and you name it. They got it. Yeah. They don't take care of themselves. Well, those are the same guys that told me in high school, by the time you're 30, you'll quit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah, those are the same guys that coming back in the day were just like, ah, you it's a phase, you know. Exactly. Well, you know what? It, it might have been, and it probably was for a lot of people. You know you work out in school and you think, yeah, I'm going to work out and get in shape and the beach is coming up, and then you quit. Because the average person does that. But, you know, there's some of us that we get bodybuilding hooked into our head and, and we get involved in it and we do it our whole life. It's just like with wrestling. It's always something that I liked as a kid, and I got involved in it, and I wasn't about to quit. I'm just going to hang in there and do it. And every day, I mean, I have a class in an hour, I'm teaching guys, so it's kept me active, and it keeps me thinking young. All the guys I work with, anywhere from 17, I'm almost at 59. But I can wow. make any one of those groups and fit in. So it keeps you younger. When you first came to uh, prominence in the, the sports world as a bodybuilder, correct? Yeah. How did you get started doing bodybuilding? bodybuilding? Excuse me? How'd you get started doing bodybuilding? Well, I grew up in a small town called Bakersfield, which is 90 miles north of here. It's a yeah. really, really redneck country town. <laughs> and um, I was in a rock band. I was a lead guitarist. And we used to play every Friday and Saturday night for all the school dances. And back then, if you made 60, 50, 60 bucks on the weekend, you are making a lot of money. And this is back in the 60s, late 50s, early 60s. Wow. And uh, I had a girlfriend who was a year older than me. She was a homecoming queen, and she was everything that everybody would want in high school. She's a senior, I'm a junior. And I'm thinking, how do I get this girl as a girlfriend? It's impossible, but she is. And she lived with her cousin because her parents had passed away, and both boys were my age, were football players in good shape. So they started me working out in the backyard, and I started training with them, and all of a sudden I started developing. She says to me, don't let yourself get all lumpy. And I think, well, isn't that what I'm trying to achieve? You know? So, um, Things started to grow, and it was looking pretty good. She went away to college, and I continued, and I continued to play in the band. And people used to say, oh, you're working out, you're working out, you're looking good. And pretty soon, I was hooked. The next thing I know, I was starting to compete in contests, and uh, I was winning a few, and I liked it. It's something I really enjoyed. Wow. And it's stuck with me ever since. I, I never wanted to go back and be anything else but. Yeah. How'd that go from You have to also separate. You have to separate yourself. You can't have, yeah. you, you also can't have that bodybuilding mentality, which so many people have, that their whole life revolves around it. They bring their Tupperware with their tuna and their egg whites, and the whole day is consumed <laughs> with this bodybuilding to the point where they can't even go make a living because they might miss a training session. Yeah. And I, I never really felt that way. I thought if I'm going to develop my body, I'm going to develop my mind along with it and put the two together and then market myself as they what I see myself as and try to make some money with it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, they, I see some of these guys at uh, the local gym that, you know, they're, they're consumed with it. They're there all the time. They're eating at the gym. They're working at the gym. They're <laughs> eating in the restrooms. The guys are taking a dump in the shower. They're eating with food now. They at least go somewhere where it's pleasant. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's amazing. We're talking with Rick Grayson, the original big boy of bodybuilding and wrestling. How do you go from bodybuilding to wrestling? Um, well, it seems like today everybody's doing it because everybody's doing <laughs> oh, yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you, you, you look at a lot of these guys. Uh, Dave Batiste is a real good example. Cena, sure. they, they, they started out in bodybuilding, and then they're like, oh, crap. I either can't make any money or some other reason. And they go right into professional wrestling. How, how did you get into professional wrestling? Well, I have an article on my website, Bodybuilding Pro Wrestling. And my dad used to take me when I was a kid. I was yeah. like seven, eight years old, nine years old, ten years old. We'd go to the local matches at this arena that's still standing. It's, a, it's a, wow. an old arena that's in the round, which I would love to own that building. It's, it's the epitome of what you see back in the 50s with you know, ring in the center and everything, all the seats stand up to the ceiling, and then you got that dark with the smoke coming up. I mean, you want to shoot a movie in there, that's the place. Wow. So I would go with him, and I'd get a ringside. He'd get free passes, and I'd think, God, these guys are like, I don't know what the hell they're doing, but it looks interesting. <laughs> and then he'd come home and start hitting me with forms and throwing me down, and we'd have fun with it. And I thought, well, maybe one day I'll do that. And as I got older and I was training, and I, he had passed away, I was 18. He had no idea I was going to go that route. I started hanging out. Um, I was working at the YMCA. And every Thursday night, the guys would come in from L.A. that would wrestle in the arena. And I started talking about, you know, something I think I'd like to get into. And back then, it, was really, it wasn't as hard as it is today. There were zero bodybuilders. I think the only one was Earl Maynard. Wow. And they looked at me, they said, wow, you do great, you got a great body, you should come down to the Olympic guy to turn him and talk to Johnny Mae Young, she was the world heavyweight <laughs> women's champion. So I said, okay, I'll do that. And I got in my car, it was 100 miles, and I drove down to the Olympic, and I went up and I met her, and she says, well, let me take your shirt off, let me have a look at you. And she was a tough gal. Oh, yeah. She says, let me, uh, let me see, get in the ring here a minute, let me just show you how to do a couple of things. And she's showing me and telling me how, you know, that... You can really get your ass kicked if you got to really want to do it. She had me take some bumps, and I got some mat burns on my elbows. And I thought, okay, this isn't exactly easy, but I think I'd like it. Then she walked me across the room to meet the promoter. It was Joel Strongbow. Freddie Black, he was in my office, and Mr. Moto was the booker. And they took a look at me and said, oh, yeah, let's train and see what we're going to do. So basically, that was where it started. And then I drove five days a week back and forth, Bakersfield, to LA. And that's a long drive. It's about an hour and 45 minutes each way back then before they had new highways, two hours each way. I'd drive downtown and train for three hours, stop, eat, go home, and go to the gym. Did this for six months. And everybody thought I was nuts. So I came back and I'd teach the guys at the YMC how to wrestle upstairs and beat them all up because I need to practice. <laughs> <laughs> and then they booked me on that first match at the Olympic, and then they started pitching me in the hometown of Bakersfield in the same arena my dad took me to because they knew I could draw money out of that town. Everybody knew me from the rock band. Yeah. And that's what started the, started the ball rolling. Wow. So, you've, so, from there, so, so you've, you've been around the game a while. <laughs> Long time. Started in 1965. What do you think of the, uh, just, just from the way that you've done things, comparing to now with some of these guys that are competing on the, uh, had competed on Tough Enough, and, you know, the power plant when WCW was still around, what do you think? Do you think it's it's harder now than it was to get into wrestling, or is it easier now? It's harder. It's much harder because everybody wants to do it, supply and demand. You know, what yeah. the situation is, is that when I wrestled, I could stay here in town, in, in L.A. When I moved here, I lived in Santa Monica, right on the beach, half a block off the ocean. What better place? And I had Gold Gym on one side, World Gym on the other, and then I'd wrestle at night. So I be in Ventura one night and in uh, San Diego one night, Bigerson one night. I, I wouldn't leave until 4 in the afternoon. I was home by 11 o'clock at night, every night. Wow. Six nights a week. Well, you had different territories you could do that in. Oh, yeah. Here you, could, you could go to Oregon, you could go to Minnesota, you could go to New York, you could go to Florida, the South, anywhere you want, and make a living. When Vince took over and he came out with he the WWF, they all went belly up because they 
guys they see on TV. So it killed the small town business. So nowadays, there's a few other federations now, but he's the only one that pays any good money. Yeah. And if you got all those guys running to him, you know, you, you, you really got a long line out the door. Yeah, so it's much harder to get into. And then it's not what it used to be. He wants everybody to look like the 300-pound bodybuilder. Yeah. The shreds, the bigger, the better. Back when I started, everybody was unique. You know, Freddie Blassie was different. Mr. Moto was different. Bobo Brazil was different. Oh, yeah. Everybody had a different look and a different character. And it worked. It just really worked well. And wrestling was different. They actually wrestled. These guys, they don't wrestle. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them seldom see anybody take any holds. They're just flying off the ropes all the time. Yeah. And they don't sell it. And the biggest part of wrestling is selling. It's like it's like magic. It's an illusion. And you have to keep that thing going. But most of the guys don't know how to do it. They don't, uh, don't want to do it. Yeah, that, that's that's the big thing. They, they don't want to do it. You, you see some of these guys, like, I remember reading stories of when uh, Taz was in the old ECW, and guys would just beat the bejesus out of him, and he wouldn't sell the moves. And yeah. it's like, dude, this is part of the sport of professional wrestling, is to sell the moves. Exactly. And it's, it, it's, it's an amazing thing that how wrestling has come from, from being what it was to... Uh, to what it is now, but something else that you're more, you're more famous for and seems to be gaining steam over time is you're the one that came up with the Gold's Gym logo. Right, I did. How how did that happen? Well, um, what happened is because uh, I just had a, I just on the phone with him yesterday trying to mod, uh, trying to monitor where my sales are coming from because yeah. I want to know where things are going out. I get royalties on it. This started back in 19, I guess around 73. I had always been an artist. I've always doodled and created little cartoon characters. When I was supposed to be studying class, I was drawing all over the outside of my binder. <laughs> so, um, and I was good at it. I was just naturally good at it. My whole family's talented that way. But I, I was sitting in Vicky Delicatessen in Santa Monica with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Ken Waller. We, tra- we all trained together. Oh, yeah. And Ken Waller was managing the gym, and he said to me, he said, you know what, we need a T-shirt logo. Well, yeah, I think every place should have, every place should have something that, that signifies in some sort of logo. You should yeah. draw something up, Mr. Clean or something like that. I said, I'll draw something. I have an idea because I always wanted to shave my head. And back then I had pretty decent hair. So what I did is I drew this bullheaded guy on a napkin, which I still have. I still have wow. that. I still have my original 1965 wrestling license. But when I saved everything. But I, I drew this on a napkin. We drew it to a room. We printed well, maybe a couple dozen shirts, and they sold real quick, and then we did some more, and then I did a front and back design in a tank top that I had the only existing one. Um, the only, they only did a dozen of them. Anyway, it took off, and then the gym changed hands, and it became a corporation, and then it became a brand, and then it became a big deal, and then it sold again, and now it's owned by Omni Hotels, and it's the hugest thing around. So it, they sold millions and millions and millions of shirts. However, I never made a dime. Wow. Because I did it as a favor back then, and I yeah. didn't have any idea how big it was going to get. So I went to them about a year ago, and I, and I had friends running that, and I said, why don't we bring this thing back? The original design was my signature, because they've changed it throughout the years. Yeah. And they agreed to. And I, the funny thing I started thinking, they know that I really never signed a release to use it. You know, like a model release when you, when you take a photo. Oh, I never yeah. signed that over to anybody, so I could really hold it over their head if I wanted to. <laughs> and they said, fine, let's bring it back. So they gave me the license um, and owner's right to that particular design, and now it's out everywhere, and I have a royalty on it. And then I opened the door for another design, which I have out now, which is a group of bodybuilders from the 70s, including Arnold and myself, 
cartoon form on the shirt that says Gold International, and that's on their website. So that one's doing pretty good wow. as well. But I'd like to have a, a ladies line and a kids line, and now that they're a corporation, it's harder to get things done with them, but I was able, I was able to get that far, and that's good. Yeah. Well, I'm, 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 I'm not called Bald Boy. I'm on market. Yeah. <laughs> I, I noticed, uh, and you happened to send, a, send out an email a couple weeks ago, that uh, Hulk Hogan was wearing uh, one of the T-shirts on his uh, reality show. Yeah, when, when he came out, I sent him a couple, and I sent Arnold a couple, and I uh, said, so be sure to have them. You know, the more publicity, the better. And he really yeah. wore them on his, uh, his show. And I talked to him about a week ago. He's in the gym. He said, I actually went down about three more. I love them. And then one on another show, so I got clips of him wearing them. Wow. It's, it's, all, it's all good. You know, it all helps out. So yeah. Hopefully I'm going to I don't know. <laughs> well, you, um, you've been all over the place and have have pretty much met every celebrity. I was looking at your website over the day. You, you get around, my friend. You know lots and lots of power brokers out there. It's a, uh, yeah, I, I a do. It's, um, it just kind of falls in my lap. It's, it's just one of those things that I, um, I don't know how to even look at it. My wife <laughs> looks at it. My mom looks at it differently. I go out, I attract attention, and I don't even yeah. try to. Um, people my entire life have always gravitated to me for some reason, for a, to be their mentor or to help them along with something. And uh, yeah, it's just really weird. I had um, Eric uh, Roberts who trains in my gym, Mother oh, wow. him out with something at the front desk one day, and ever since then, he's been my best friend, it's like, wow, this just came out of nowhere, you know? <laughs> I trained Gene Simmons from KISS, and, yeah. and he would call me to go on tours with him locally and, and act as his bodyguard, which really it wasn't a bodyguard, it was just someone to hang out with, and I go to the show, you get all these heaps of submissions, he just gave them to me, and guitar chords and amps and stuff, because I'm a musician, and my son has a, music, a studio, and so those things just happen. But it's all good, and, and um, I keep them all as friends, and I don't really use them for anything, just friends. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, one thing about your looks, that, and I was reading uh, one of the articles on your website about reinventing yourself. Yeah. That's, that's so true anymore, you know, with, and whether you're doing uh, competitive sports or whether you're out there, you know, in the club scene or whatever, and... I want to thank you for well, uh, for writing that. Cause yeah, a lot of people have to do that. You you have to do that. You you can't be stagnant in life. You'll just end up doing the same thing your entire life. Just like these friends I grew up with, they've had the same job since high school. They wear the same clothes they wore in high school. And I thought, why don't you move forward? And yeah. it's like I had hair. I did all the cigarette and beer commercials as a lumberjack back in the seventies, and then my hair started getting thinner, so I shaved my head. I started playing bad guys and bikers and always got the wrestling roles when I went out and, and tried to book them. Now, now maybe I'm getting too old to play those roles. I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of younger guys doing it. So I let my beard go all white, and I had some pictures taken as a, as a lawyer and as a, a detective. I just did one as a Navy commander that came out pretty good. I'm trying to get casting people to understand I can do this now in my 60s. They still have me kind of locked into the other thing because their minds don't grow. They don't see that you can yeah, do it. You get typecast. You do get typecast. Even the major stars get typecast into the same films. But commercially, it's not like that. There's a lot of commercials where you can play different stuff. And, and they don't ever send me as, as a dad. I've got three kids and two grandkids, and they say, well, you don't look like a dad. I don't. I know that. You know, it's just the way it is. However, I am one, you know. But it's okay. I, I, I've gotten to the point where auditioning is not really something I want to do much of anymore. I want to produce my own things. Yeah. And I've got a reality show in development right now. Oh, wow. And I'm working on that. So that just kind of fell in my lap as well. I had 
I saw some uh, videos of the students I trained. I thought, well, I'll make a I'll make a wrestling uh, instructional wrestling video DVD. Yeah, and I'll do the steps, 12, 12 steps of the lesson, how we how we do a warm up step, and then how we do lockups, and how we do takedowns, and how we do holds, how we do high spots, and, and crowd participation, you know, uh, character development. And then I started putting it together, and I thought this would be a good reality show, not like Tough Enough, because yeah. Tough Enough's been done, and, and not everybody can be WWE. It's impossible. Yeah. But where would you go to train if you just wanted to do any shows? Where would you go? Who's going to train you? How would you find out how to do it? Well, if you came here and I trained you, then you could possibly do any show. So if you make a reality show out of that, you take all this cross-section of people I get, put them on a reality show, and the end result is a live show with a live audience that maybe their dream of their life, if they reach what they wanted to. And then from there, they can do whatever they want. But at least they could do it once. Yeah. So I got, I got um, calls from a production company who wanted to do that very thing. They went to my website. They came out and shot some footage. Found out that my son had wrestled, and he's a musician. My other son used to referee for us. My wife has after-school programs for gymnastics and dance. She's involved in that. My 13-year-old daughter goes up on my videography for me. Just, we have a whole family thing here. We could do Life at Home with the Wrestling Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> so, we shot in my ring, and now they're putting it together. They want to do a few more scenes here and there, and then they're going to the network and try to get us a series. And they're a good group. They've only got several shows running on TLC and history and that, so that's where it's at. Yeah. Maybe I will be able to produce my own thing finally, because that's what I want to do. Wow. So how long have you ran the uh, AWF out there? I've had it since, uh, well, I had West Coast Wrestling back in the 70s, which was yeah. a similar thing. And then I quit doing it. I just lost interest, and it was hard to buck uh, the NWA back then. They were local, and they wouldn't let you run shows. And if you ran shows, they'd come out and steal your flyers and call the athletic commission and try to get you canceled. It was just oh, my God. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible, the things they would do at last minute when you're running your show. The athletic commission would come down. If your paperwork wasn't right, they close you down. But they want to percentage, and, and, uh, and I made sure I did all the paperwork properly. But then once the athletic commission was disbanded and it was, it was deemed entertainment, not sports, um, it was easy to do. However, I did run a show, and they came down, and they told me one night, they said, we want entertainment tax now. I said, you get your ass out of here. I'm not giving you a dime. <laughs> you know, there's no such thing, and yeah. there's the door. And I never heard from them again. So um, I had the West Coast Wrestling, then I started uh, AWF back in the 80s, and I ran some shows up in Bakersfield, and then I started running them here at high school as a fundraiser. And it did really well up to about, I guess about five years ago, I had a really bad accident when I tore both my quads off my legs. Wow. And I they tore one quad, and I couldn't stand up, and then I went home, and I tore the other one three days later, fell out my back door. So I had to have those reattached, and it kind of set me back. I couldn't run any shows. So I wrote a book. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> hey, that, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, I took that time to write a book, and I wrote a script called Midnight Bell about wrestling vampires that I'm trying to get done. And I figured I'll use this time to be productive. And I went back to the gym every day in a wheelchair, and then a walker, and then a cane, worked my upper body, and then I got a staff infection, and I had to treat that a little bit. Oh, and then I thought, why well, don't I run more shows? But there's really no money in it. I mean, you, end, you end up breaking even every time. Yeah. Um, I did draw good crowds. They had my biggest crowd was 600 in a, in a high school cafeteria, which is a lot of people. Dang! But I get—I think the best way to do that is get the schools involved as a fundraiser and let the PE teacher or the PE department sell the tickets. Oh yeah, you've got, a, you, you've got an instant show. So they're going to a, a building on your own, a standalone, and try to sell tickets and get 20 people. It's just not worth it. So my point is, is that I haven't run any shows in a while, but I think I'd rather turn that into a TV series and have it as a reality show and do the same thing, but to make it 
at a bigger level. Yeah. Well, I'll say if it's going to get done, from what I can tell, you're the man that's going to be able to do it. You're involved in everything. You're, uh, that's, that's phenomenal that somebody who has the type of injury like you had would, you know, go, oh, yeah, yeah I can't train, can't run shows, let me just write a book. You know what? I didn't even take a pain pill. <laughs> and, and it's really where my life's I shouldn't pay book, but, but, but the funny thing is that everything happened to me on holidays. This was Thanksgiving. The year before that, in Halloween, I cut three fingers off my right hand. Oh, my God. And I was, I was on a table saw, and I leaned on it, and bam, knocked him right off. And I called my son, and he came out, and he brought a towel, and wrapped him up, and then put the finger off the ground into the uh, in an envelope with uh, some ice. The other two were just dangling by skin. I went to the hospital, and they sewed them back together, and they didn't put my little one on because it wouldn't fit. I just leave it off. I said, it gives me a good look. I'll have fun with it. And, <laughs> and, and, I, and I, brought my, I brought my finger home. I have in a jar over, over the washer and formaldehyde, and I'll tell my daughter's friends come over I show them. But I went out and I found a little plastic, a little plastic magic finger from the magic shop, and I put it on this nub. And I'll play tricks with kids, and I'll take a knife and a rest, and it's like I'm cutting my finger off, and this thing will fly off. And like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. wow. But that's the fun of life. You, get, you turn into a positive, and you go after a bad guy with the missing finger, and you go, well, that's unique. Let's use it, you know? Yeah. So, um, but even with that, they set them back on. They put pins in them, and I was overnight in the hospital. And I came home the next day, and I went right back to the gym and trained with a mitt. I, I found ways of straps to work out. The fact that I could get to the gym and work out, my mind kept thinking I was okay, so I healed fast. And so it worked out, it worked out okay. Man, that, that, that's, that's an amazing, amazing story. You just I, I like the fact that regardless of what happens, you're always in the gym. That is so cool. Yeah. Well, because it's my motivation. Yeah. And my wife was bitching about the fact when my son grabbed the towel, he grabbed a dish towel. It got bloody all over it. And she said, why'd you have to grab that one? I said, well, it was the closest one. She said, yeah, but it was new. So I said, you I needed a towel. There you go. Well, you mentioned uh, you have an, an article on your website about uh, steroids and, and what really works and everything. And you mentioned something about creatine on there. Um, what what did you use before creatine came out? Was it just nothing, or did you have some other some other bodybuilder that you used, or steroids or regular supplements over the counter? Over the counter. Um, creatine's good. I'm off of it right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm using arginine and ornithine. You can buy capsules, capsules, and I'm using yeah. uh, Benadryl sulfate um, and DHEA. And I think those things work pretty well with whey protein. And I try to eat five times a day. Yeah. But I changed my workout this past week. Um, I do a six-day routine. I do chest and shoulders on Monday and then back and arms on Tuesday and legs on Wednesday. And I've tried something by doing three exercises, three sets for each body part, but between 25 and 35, maybe 40 reps. Wow. It's a, it's a killer. It's, I've never had a pump. It's the 80s like this. All my life, I can't believe this. It's unbelievable. I'm sore all over, and it hardened me up within three days. I I just see my whole body tighten up. So I did it again today, and I was really beat. I got legs tomorrow, and then the second three days, I'll go back to my normal workout, just do a little bit heavier weights for lower reps. Yeah. I think that with the diet and, and the creatine, glutamine's good. All those things fit together, and not one thing's a, a miracle drug, but um, they all work together to make everything work yeah. properly. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, that, that sounds like a, a pretty killer little workout. I, I was reading in, a, I think it was this month's Muscle Fitness, 
uh, Matt Hughes, the UFC middleweight champion, I think it is, he he does his his leg workout, but you know, like with a 12 to 16 reps, and then when he gets the leg press on his leg day, he'll load the leg press up to 400 pounds, and then he'll supposedly crank out anywhere from 50 to 70 reps. Oh yeah, I've seen guys do that. Mike Sable uh, used to do 100 reps on the leg press. He said to blow his legs up. I, I totally believe it. It's a big muscle that can work. Now remember, both my quads were completely off, and they they put them back in. So for me to work legs, even be able to walk, I'm thrilled to death. But um, I can throw 600 pounds in there, and I got 20, 25 reps now with my legs back together, and, and it works fine. Wow, that's great. I thought I'd be able to do that. Again. Yeah. Well, um, we've run out of time. I've I've got. Tons of other things. We'll have to have you back on sometime. This has been a real interesting interview, my friend. Sure. Let me tell you something that worked. It's really funny. You're going to laugh at me. Okay. Uh, Viagra or Cialis, for example, uh, yeah. um, they pump blood into a muscle. Yeah. And they pump blood into any muscle that you're using at the time. I tried taking it before it worked out. And I told my doctor about this, and he said the theory was right on. If I'm working bicep and I take a couple of drops of this stuff before I train, it throws blood right on my biceps, and it pumps the hell out of it. <laughs> I've I've heard of I've heard of guys uh, using Viagra in, in that aspect because they're like you know it, it it pumps blood. Yeah, that's exactly. What but it nobody's ever tested the theory. I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to mention it to these guys that I've been yeah uh, that have mentioned to me at the gym because yeah that this <laughs> that's great. Which guess probably has a product called Super Pump and it has the same components that you would find in those drugs and that's why your body pumps. So yeah, it does work. Wow. But uh, at least I want to back on and talk. I'm happy. Oh, yeah. I like oh, yeah. It. I will, uh, Knowledge. I'll get you an email this evening, let you know where this interview is going to be posted and everything. And, uh, okay. We'll definitely, uh, talk to talk again, sir. Send people to my website. It's rickdrayson.com. Right. Yeah, she's got all sorts of things on there. Rickdrayson.com. You got, uh, I'll tell you, I, I got on there uh, a couple weeks ago and you just, it's one of these websites where you just have so much content that you get there and you're reading around and before you know it, you're like, oh, my God, we're, we're, we're an hour ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a lot. My wife says I got too much and, and uh, she's more conservative. I said, you know, it works for me and yeah. people like it and leave it as it is. Well, I always change it, the videos up and things I'm doing and I'm shooting a lot of my own stuff now. It's kind of fun, so I put that up there. That's cool. I got T-shirts for sale, security cats, you name it. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, definitely, Rick. We'll catch up with you some other time. It's rickdrayson.com. Okay, Rick Grayson. Appreciate it, man. Have a good evening. Thank you very much, James. Talk to you later. Okay. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.